0: it's Tim Patterson uh, trade show guy Monday morning coffee is afoot and I think I have what I consider to be a very interesting conversation that I had um here's the deal uh, if you've never seen this show before uh, let me tell you just a little bit about you uh, my name is Tim Patterson I own a company called trade show guy exhibits I've got a couple of books out including this one which is trade shows superheroes and exhibiting zombies uh, we're gonna dig into this in just a little bit but. Um, I'm in Salem, Oregon, and I do this podcast slash video blog um, once a week. Posts every Monday. It's been doing it for like over a year and a half now. So we've we've got up to about I don't know 75 or 80 episodes. I don't keep track of them as far as the numbers, like some podcasters do. But but I, you know, I, it's a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes I have a guest. Probably more often than not today uh, I got a chance to talk to Mary Lou Burton uh, her company's Bella Vista events for years I've known of her I've only run into her once or twice uh, her company did a show called Bravo events uh, for the wedding and event industry for years like 20 or 30 years it seems like I think she talks about that a little bit in this interview uh, in Portland uh, that kind of ran its course. Um, She's now doing events uh, for the cannabis industry. Uh, Cannabis has been legal since 2015. It's uh, been three years now since it became legal for recreational use in Oregon. Other states have followed suit. Oregon was not the first. I believe Colorado was uh, one of the first. California just came on board. Washington was before Oregon. And it's created an interesting um, situation and dynamic in the industry uh, because they want that they can now promote it legally. They can do events and trade shows, and there are a number of events and trade shows, and Mary Lou's company does one called the uh, Cannabis Collaborative Conference, which I've been to a number of times, and I'm planning to exhibit at that conference because there's a B2B show, and it happens in Portland in January, and we'll be in booth 420. There's some sort of cannabis reference there, I think. Uh, but we'll have a lot of fun with it in January, and uh, it's it's a, not only for the cannabis industry, it's for all support companies, and so there's marketing companies and things like that that show up to help support the industry. I like to see the industry grow, and uh, so that's why we're going to do the show. And so I got a hold of Mary Lou, and we sat down, and it, and it was a rather uh, interesting and somewhat lengthy conversation, a little longer than what I typically do on this show, but uh, very worthwhile. So take a look, and... And let us know what you think. And enjoy. I am happy to welcome Mary Lou Burton to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Good day to you, Mary Lou. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Now, our paths crossed a long time ago, although we don't really know each other. Uh, I was with a company here in Salem called Interpretive Exhibits. And we used to go to your show, uh, Bravo, with -hmm. the exclamation point, as I recall. Bravo. Exclamation point, which was all yeah. about the events and weddings and hotels and all that industry. And you did that for decades, didn't you? Tell me about that.
1: Over 30 years. And wow. um, how I got started there is I planned my own wedding for 500 Italians. <laughs> and this was in the day of Yellow Pages. Right. Um, and I found that planning my own wedding, I could not find... You know, legitimate resources. How do I know that this is a good company? Finding different kinds of venues. So I came up with the idea of doing a resource guide, um, and with the specific information that was needed, rather than just a bunch of glossy ads. At that point, there were only really magazines out there. So built that company and literally um, our mission there was to unite the um, wedding and event industry, Mm -hmm. the hospitality, and connect them with the target market. So the Bravo live show that you were talking about was actually um, bringing together planners. Like it was just a big party with uh, venues and caterers. And so people from Nike um, would go through the show and plan all their corporate events in one afternoon. So basically for 30 years did that and um, ran into a friend who, uh, a high school friend or college friend that um, got into the cannabis industry. And I was very curious at the whole thing yeah. because I grew up Catholic and drugs are bad and, you know, didn't want my teenagers to do it. and. Sure. Didn't, really didn't know anything about it, so I was very um, in you know blind to it. Right. And so basically, they were in Washington, and a tier three up in Washington, and they jumped through so many hurdles and so many um, you know, problems with the rules and regs, um, very smart women came from, you know, tech industry, Fisher Scientific, Microsoft, and thought, oh, we'll get into this business. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Well,
1: after 2 million in investment, um, basically the company is, um, phasing down now. And so my friends basically said, Hey, you know, Oregon's going to go legal in 2015 you should take what you've done with Bravo and apply it to this industry. So being ADD, I was like, <laughs> yeah, what a, you know Whatever.
0: Yeah, unless that was fun.
1: And then yeah. I I spent time educating myself on why did it become illegal? What are the benefits of it? Um My mom had been very sick and the amount of drugs that they were pumping her in, you know, I learned that that could have really helped her Mm. um, end a life, you know, pain Um, and just, the more I learned, the more excited I got about it. And, of course, it's a budding industry. And I thought, man, I need to jump on this now.
0: I, I'm um, going to use that term, by the way. I'm going to borrow that. The, the budding, budding, and the we're,
1: budding blazing, we're blazing <laughs> we trails. Blazing, yes, yes. My other fun one is keep Oregon weed.
0: Keep Oregon. weed.
1: No, Oregon was green before green was legal.
0: Right. Well, let's, let's circle back a little bit because I think Colorado was the first state to legalize recreational marijuana in 2012, maybe something around there. Um, And so they, it was interesting to watch uh, them grapple with all the stuff that came up and and I think they did deal a lot and learn a lot. And they also realized, you know, there are tax dollars to be made there and that's kind of what got people's attention. That and the fact that you know, putting people in jail for just possession of yeah. something that grows by the side of the road in a sense, yeah. um, it was, was, was not good and it was not fair. I mean, my, my always, uh, viewpoint has always been alcohol gets you high, right. uh, marijuana gets you high. Why is alcohol legal and a social drug and marijuana gets you in jail? And, and, so, a, and
1: alcohol did, killed 80,000 al-
0: Alcohol people kills years. people uh, yeah. not only from, from, you know, bad driving and things like that, but, but the alcoholism itself. Um, yes. you know, from yes. what I've heard, and this is anecdotal is that no one's ever died from a marijuana overdose. So, you know,
1: <laughs> you know there may have been, you know, some, but no, there hasn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so no when thing. Oregon, when Oregon, uh, legalized this, uh, I don't know that we were the second state, but we were pretty we were close. Third.
2: Third. Washington
0: was was first. That's right. So, so we did. And then California is now legal. Canada just announced. So obviously Oregon's been grappling with this now. Uh, gosh, July, it'll be three years now. Um, there's been a
1: a lot of hurdles. Um, we created the cannabis collaborative conference. Um, the whole goal of that was to pull together the industry, learn from what the other States did, Um, at our last conference, we had Rick Garza from the LCB who's Mm -hmm. creating the rules in Washington because my goal is that we can learn from what has happened in other States, the good, the bad, although we haven't done a good job at that because of the state of the industry right now. Um, people jumped in, they thought it was the gold rush, Right. Um, They um, basically, you know, put all this money into it thinking it was like growing a tomato plant. And what I've discovered is that if you don't know about this business and growing, then you shouldn't get in. Um, I'm telling investors that I will hook them up with a really good grower that right. need the money in the business sense. So the conference, basically we had 25 people, 2,500 people um, were working with OLCC. Um, I basically came up with an idea of them uh, videotaping their application process to help this industry because a lot of people don't want to read a 400 page manual. Then they did seed to sale within our show, we're working with Congressman Blumenauer on the banking situation, which is one of the biggest hurdles. But what happened is a lot of people jumped in. OLCC had unlimited licenses, um, which basically that is what has really hurt the industry, um, that there are too many growers. Um, the price of product has you know plummeted to where a grower can't grow it and sell it for what it costs to grow it.
0: Yeah, so, so there's a lot of issues that are just kind of floating around. You mentioned yeah. banking, uh, the OLCC, for people who aren't familiar with in Oregon, the Oregon Liquor Control Commission regulates and controls the, the yes. uh, cannabis industry here in Oregon. Uh, there's other things. Obviously, they're plant growing, and they have to track every plant from basically seed oh. to, you know, they got to be tagged and so tracked so that we know it's legal. It yes. can't be transported across state lines. Nope. You can't sell Oregon uh, cannabis in Washington, for instance.
2: Right. Um,
0: and I think that once, um, and, and and it'll have to happen. I think is when the federal uh, government finally says it's legal, takes it off Schedule C, C or one or whatever they call that. Okay. Yeah. That that will change everything, but uh, and allow banks to get involved without being scared of losing yes. charters and things like that. Um, CBD is it CBD or CDB? I can never remember. <laughs> CBD. Yeah. uh Is is kind of a non THC version of that, which a lot of a lot of people are growing, and that. I mean, in edibles, there's just so many things that are going on in the industry, and I can see why it attracts people. But you're right; it's it's not an easy dollar, yeah. uh, especially when so many people came in. And you know, uh, a year ago, here in town, we had a uh, uh, our said course, kind of like a chamber of commerce down here. They mm-hmm. talked about real estate, and one of the uh, uh, retail uh, guys in the panel talked about how a year ago everyone was just snapping up every real real estate. Real, real retail space to put a, a cannabis spot in there. Mm-hmm. Didn't come up this year at all because all those spots are taken and now people are kind of like, oh, well, I, I might want to sell my, my company now because the prices are so low. So it, it's growing and through the OLCC, growing phase.
1: OLCC just um, June 15th came out with uh, basically their halting license. Right. So what that's doing is increasing the value of those licenses that are existing. And as a part of the conference and what we've done, um, I've become kind of the Angie's List. We call it Cannabis (laughs) Connect. And so I have about 20 retail stores that want to sell. And I've got a ton of investors that basically want to buy up as many as they can. Now, the hard part about that is... I feel bad for the mom and pops because they've, you know, done the work, put the money in. But what I'm trying to explain to them now is that they won't be able to compete with these chains that can amortize marketing and get product for cheaper. Um, So what I'm trying to help these stores with is, listen, getting bought out will help recover your investment you know um it's a hard industry right. um, a lot of people are like we didn't anticipate you know all the different obstacles but so I'm trying to matchmake. Um, at our last show, we had the Investor Speed Dating Lounge where people <laughs> could meet with investors. Um, a lot of that is private money, but you can see that there's a lot of big pharma coming in, especially for the CBD products. Right. So the Connects is helping um, the industry, at least, you know, people to become strong because what you said earlier about descheduling it, we have to be careful because when that happens, big business will be all over this. Oh and,
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: will be eaten alive. Um, and instead of building a company that you can be bought out and set, you have an idea or a product that a big pharma will say, Oh my God, I want to bring that on. So right. um, we're also working with, companies to help them license their product or service in another state um because it's difficult for them to completely set up a new operation in another state they can work under somebody else's license so that'll be a big emphasis on our next show that we do
0: and i think one of the things about uh w- when the federal uh, government changes their laws around that you're right it will it will create a, another gold rush in a sense but i think it also will open up the doors to a lot of research about what cannabis can yes. And can't do it because a lot of that stuff is just not happening or it's, it's, it's banned. There's no, there's no research money behind that because it is uh, a federally, uh, you know, illegal drug uh, at this point. And so that still has a lot of people in Oregon and Washington and California fearful, but during the Obama administration, they weren't prosecuting those types of things. And, and we're not sure what's going on right now because uh, of what, you know, we can get political, but Jeff Sessions has said that they, they, you know, he's, he's against that stance. And so, it's fraught yeah, it's, it with a lot of on, interesting things. Yeah, go ahead. Turn
1: concern on that is that uh, when that announcement came out two weeks before my last show, Congressman Blumenauer got on the phone with us and basically he said that Sessions actually helped us because these people that were sitting on the fence, congressmen that weren't voting one way or another, that he felt it will galvanize support that they want to support this 70% of the population voted for this and if they go against what the people want. You know, we're living in a crazy uh, political world right now. I can't even. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But the cool part with all the crap going on is their focus is off cannabis. <laughs> but they also see the tax dollars coming in. So they do. They do.
0: And, and I it's interesting it's because away. I'm sure with you being in the industry, you, you do talk to the politicians like Earl Blumenauer, yep. who, who is is very pro to make this work better uh with the laws and everything and banking and there's just a lot of issues there let's talk about the show itself for a little bit before we wrap up and that's the collaborative uh, cannabis collaborative conference and you do this once a year twice a year
1: once a year in january um this year is the 24th and 25th and um basically we had over 70 speakers yeah. And 33 sessions basically dealing with all the hurdles and obstacles. Okay. One uh, thing that was incredible this year is we had Energy Trust of Oregon come in and they actually met with growers and showed them how they can save on 25% of their electrical bill.
2: Nice.
1: Because this last show was all about how do we become profitable? Um, Ants matching up ancillary businesses with the producers, processors, having them learn from a CPA what what are the write-offs? You know because 280e you know makes it difficult for companies to write off anything within that business. You brought up earlier real estate. A lot of my new investors want the real estate along with the retail store because there are more write-offs if you own the real estate. And plus you have, you know, good investment there. Um, but it's jacking up the prices of real estate. So it's, there's this, uh, you know, crazy, but, um, the, it's really, it's, it's been so exciting, but exhausting. I kind of call it dog years. My. Four years in
0: it, I, like, I feels 20 like twenty five, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, so, in, in California, when they come on, well, they're on board, aren't they? For, they are on board. So, yeah. so I was reading. I think just this morning, I saw a headline that said that's projected to be in the next uh, maybe by twenty twenty a five billion dollar industry oh, in geez. California alone. It's geez. just it's humongous. Yeah. So, it's us a lot of the support businesses you have. Um, you know, you have you have test labs, you have yeah. packagers. Uh, you have marketers, you have designers. I mean, and and that's one of the reasons I decided that it would be worth going to the show because I would like to learn more about the industry and support that and obviously get some clients in that industry, which is why Trade Show Guy exhibits will be there in Booth 420, by the way.
2: Nice. (laughs) You you scored on. I don't know
0: how I did that, but uh, and what
1: you're doing is so critical. I've talked to a lot of my exhibitors who are new businesses, and I tell them that a trade show is only as good as what you put into it. Yep. yep. So it's it's the display, the presentation, the follow through. So what you're doing is super valuable, um, because in an in an industry that's already existing people typically already have that created. But I always say that that presentation is critical. And these ancillary businesses, um, I consider myself an ancillary business because, right. and I, I it's because in the gold rush, it's the pick shovels and Levi's that made the money, you know, yes. and we don't have the rules and regs that this industry does. But the whole goal of the trade show is to bring people together, partner, network, help them with, okay, these are the hurdles we've gone through. How can I do it better? Like we had a grower there that basically threw out a lot of (laughs) F-bombs, but he basically (laughs) said people are buying products they don't need. They're spending money where they don't need. And there's situations like last year I had a grower that had, I don't know, uh, um, 10 acres of (laughs) cannabis. Oh, shoot. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, is that you? (laughs) Sorry about that.
2: That's all right. Uh, shoot,
1: Let's see. Um, had 10 acres of cannabis that basically they didn't test the land and the soil. And so it mixed with the plants and they did not pass testing by just a minute amount before they fixed hmm. the testing. So basically they lost a $10 million crop. Yikes. It was just to see that is so... So to help people to not make the same mistakes, you know? It seems like Oregon, we learned from Colorado and Washington, but now it's such a new industry. Um, It really is, yeah. We had a banking panel, was salal and maps are the two credit unions that basically explained the hurdles they're having to jump through um because it's really you know on a federal level still not legal um so then we had earl blumenauer there to give a state of the industry olcc was there doing seed to sale training so it's an opportunity to bring together the entire industry we had lawyers doing presentations and product for the first time we were able to display product which was awesome and a couple of my growers actually sold their entire crop at the show so- <laughs> well,
0: i guess what's interesting to me uh, just from an outsider for the longest time is looking at 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 what used to be an illegal industry underground, you're, you're buying it from the guy down the street or the, the 35 year old driving by on the stingray, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. now you have yeah. government involved uh, and they're supporting it and they're trying to make it work. And because it is now legal and is that it's their job to make it yeah. work and because yeah. it benefits them as well. And so that's really interesting to see as well. Um,
1: and a lot of people dig on OLCC, but man, the amount of work they've done oh, and- yeah. Yeah. They're very in touch with the industry, which I really appreciate rather than hiding. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, there are partners in this and by them stopping the licenses, they are trying to be proactive on helping Who is in the industry and helping them to become more profitable? Right, and I
0: understand that one reason they stopped was because there was a backlog that they were just having a difficult time to deal with. And
1: I have, you know, four kids in school, and the amount of money that's going into the schools—I mean, that you know—we're solving. And then the big um, thing—there was a special on CNN with Sanjay Gupta. I invite everybody to watch these things. That um, opiate overdose is down twenty-five percent in the states that have legalized. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's that, a huge issue, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. And this back to the CBD, you know, I was on Lars Larson, and he, of course, said he liked his alcohol better than the weed. <laughs> and I said, Well, your drug killed 80,000 last year. But I told him and stories about this, and he still was very, you know, Republican and, yeah. and conservative. And I appreciate that, but. I was telling him about my 83-year-old neighbor who had debilitating back pain, and we put a transdermal patch on her. There's a new company, Synergy Skinworks, doing transdermal patches. So she calls me the next day, and she says, Listen, I'm old, all my friends are old, that patch worked great, come pick us up on a bus, take us to the pot store, then the casino. So on the other end, Bravo, I work with the casinos, and they're like, Oh, we'll pay for the buses. Yeah,
2: right.
1: <laughs> and now we're doing senior education, and at the end of the interview with Lars, his phone and email blew up. That yeah, people want to know more.
0: Exactly. And so yeah.
1: His producer called back and said, "Okay, let's get some more interviews on."
0: And and I, there's not as much of a stigma on it and that will that will continue to, to dissipate in my opinion uh, of just the fact that, you know, marijuana and they, they the, the the people in industry like to call it cannabis and not marijuana. Yeah. There's an interesting yes. article I ran across on that. But uh, you know, let's r- wrap this up here. I, I did run across a show. I mean, California's got a lot of shows going on. Yes. Uh, obviously, you've got the uh, Cannabis Collaborative Conference in Portland. Do you know of other shows in Oregon that you've heard of?
1: There is one coming up, a science conference. Um, right, that's right, yep. And that's in August. Um, there's one that's called the Rad Expo that is mostly to connect um, bud tenders and retail stores. Right. Um, and that's at the Oregon Convention Center, and I think it's October.
0: But when so, I go through the websites and look at the um, exhibitors, you know, on a typical trade show, you're going to recognize most of them because they're big names. In this industry, you don't know any of the names yet, so I'm still learning. Although so there's so wide a lot open. of yeah.
1: big companies, yeah. you know, safe companies, security companies, right.
0: yep.
2: that
1: are moving over, but again, when they're a national company, they have to do it under a new division.
0: <laughs> they do.
1: so, And that's that's a big thing I'll leave you on, is yeah. protecting yourself in this industry, um, having an LLC, you know, because it, it, it is still very volatile
0: yeah, and, it is. Uh,
1: and changing daily. That's the only thing we can count on.
0: Well, this sounds like something we should talk about, about uh, every six or eight months, uh, Mary Lou. This is an interesting, interesting changing. So I appreciate your time. Again, the, uh, the shows, the cannabis collaborative conference, it's in January in Portland uh, and the uh, website is ccc-con.com.
1: Yes. And it would be great maybe to set up your podcast at the show. I'd love to ministry. do that.
0: Ooh, we could do yeah. that. We could do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks again, Mary Lou. For
1: education.
0: Uh, excellent. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Tim. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again to Mary Lou Burton of uh, Bella Vista Events and the Cannabis Collaborative Conference for joining me on this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. All right. So a couple things to go before we wrap up the show. Uh, I want to share with you a trade show tip of the week, which comes from this new book of mine. And this is uh, seven ways to mentally prepare for working a trade show booth. I mean, there's a lot going on there, right? You've got hundreds or thousands of people coming by your booth. You've got you know dozens, if not hundreds, or sometimes big shows, thousands of competitors that are competing along alongside uh, you. So how do you prepare for all that? Well, uh, so this is the list. It's like from from the blog, Compiled in a book, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies, pick it up on Amazon or go to TradeshowSuperheroes.com. So here's what you should do. Uh, number one, prepare for long days. Yeah, really long days. Even if you're out late at corporate meetings, dinners, or parties, do your best to get a good night's sleep. Very, very important stuff. Uh, number two, eat well. You know, when we're on the road, we're tempted to grab fast food because it's fast, but eat well, you know, eat the fruits and nuts and vegetables that you know you should eat and try and avoid the high salt, high sugary things. All right. Uh, number three, keep to routine as much as possible. I like to use the situation to where I typically drink uh, decaf coffee and I, and I've on the road in the past, I've gone, well, Hey, I'm on the road. I can, I'm a little different situation. I'm going to drink the real stuff. Well, I know what really high decaf does to my body at makes me jittery. So I've learned over the years to stick with my routine. So whatever your routine is, uh, stick to it. Uh, Number three, realize that it's a marathon, but it's a short marathon. Does that make any sense? I know, kind of counterintuitive, Uh, but you're going to be doing this all day long for a few days, three or four days, depending on the length of the show. And it's easier to keep the event in perspective if you understand that, okay, so it's going to be long days, but it's not going to last all that long. So, uh, number five, be open to good things happening. You know, every time I attend a show, something good happens. No matter what your attitude is, you just got to be open to, to, to good things happening. Uh, I think deep down I'm what I call a skeptical optimist. In other words, I, I don't expect good things to happen, but I think maybe that's kind of a contradiction in terms. <laughs> but, uh, but things happen. I am very optimistical about the way things will work out. Um, so prepen- uh, prepare. Oh, I've got to be there. Hang on. <laughs> Uh, prepare for the best. All right? Uh, number six, understand that not so good things can also and will also likely happen. It could be, you know that you show there a, a longtime client that you've worked with, maybe going somewhere else for business. You might lose a client somehow. Um, something might happen that you do not want. Um, someone gets sick, you show up understaffed at the booth. So yeah, be prepared for that as well. And finally, number seven, wear comfortable shoes. You're going to be on your feet a lot. You'll be walking a lot. I think the last time I went to uh, Expo West Natural Products in Anaheim, I have a little Fitbit and I I keep track of the mileage. And uh, typically my my daily walks uh, with with walking the dog and walking around the house and the office and wherever, two to three miles, I was putting on seven to eight to ten a day. And so you're going to spend a lot of time on your feet. Not only that, if you're exhibiting, you'll be on your feet a lot anyway. Alright, so we have one good thing to finish up. (laughs) That's how I always finish the show, is with uh, one good thing. Let me check my notes. (laughs) Yeah, the one good thing is is our new hammock. It's a camping hammock but it strings up between these two trees in the backyard pretty nice so